0: UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies. But a better term is X-Files. Join us as we explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military
1: X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Welcome to a very special edition of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, a Distant Thunder Radio Network feature. As you can hear, Commander Cobra is at the helm where Mac, JJ, and Raven, and I believe Club as well, are on secret missions. Switch is on a special mission as well, not so secret. We're going to hear from him in a little bit. But as you know, uh, Mac has been working in a number of other projects. He asked me to jump in. You take a show on, and we're very fortunate to have a great guest to join us tonight, uh, a longtime friend of Max and mine as well, uh, has been on this show and my old show a number of times. But before we introduce our special guest, let me tell you who else is co-hosting with me today. We have Val Lafrazo. Look, Val is our, uh, our, our station, our show empath. Uh, she's also a really good friend to all of us, and she kind of always has the the right uh, knack for giving us the read, the uh, on how the things are going with the show and guests. Out there, she's also a lot of fun when we, we've talked about uh, her reactions to some of the stuff that's happened on the show in the past. Val, how are you today? And welcome back to MacMalloy's Military X Files.
2: Thank you very much, Cobra. I'm very happy to be here. I'm I'm doing great.
1: Well, thank you very much for jumping around. I want everybody to understand that we're working through uh, time, distance, and space. All the dimensions are being pulled in to pull the show together. This show is going to be done in uh, various time zones, various locations, and various days to put it all together. Um, So I appreciate everyone uh, for taking the time to join us. So, Val, thank you very much. Another great uh, co-host with us today, Matt Malley. Some folks will recognize that name right off the bat from Counting Crows. Matt's been on with Mac a number of times. We've, we've become pretty good friends. Matt is a pilot uh, also to all his other talents he's involved in and uh, a lot of fun to uh, to chat with him. And I have a pretty good email conversation going at almost any given time. And uh, Matt, welcome and great. Thank you very much for joining us from the West Coast today.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Cobra. And you're like a a, a flying mentor to me, is what well. you're like a big brother. <laughs> well, I appreciate
1: that. That's uh, yeah. that's very appreciative, and I'm glad you didn't say like a uh, like a stepfather, a flying stepfather that you put it in the brother category. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, our special guest is Mary Joyce. Everyone uh, who's been with this show at MacMillan's Military X Files in the past probably will recognize Mary's name right off the bat. For those that are new, Mary uh, has a incredible reputation as an investigator, researcher, a uh, historian, I would say, is a a fair uh, way to put it. Uh, She presents a lot of incredible information on her website. uh, Skyships over cashers, we'll talk about that, and I will give you a very uh, uh, specific spelling that you can uh, track that down. But if you Google Mary Joyce UFO or Mary Joyce uh, Paranormal, her uh, website shows up pretty quickly. Uh, As I've said, she's done a number of incredible projects that I've been really impressed with. But one thing that uh, I've always been, uh, uh, aside from the uh, friendship that Mary has uh, so kindly uh, shared with me, is that she has uh, the ability to get people that are insiders, people that uh, want to be, quote unquote, whistleblowers in the the paranormal, especially the UFO and E.T. kind of thing to come forward and talk. And uh, Mary... uh, Welcome, as always. It's great to have you back. I'm Mac Mullin, military X-files. I know Mac is sorry that he's going to miss you. How are you tonight?
4: I'm doing well. It's good to hear all of you.
1: Thank you, and it's good, to, great to hear your voices well. Now you're in uh, North Carolina in the mountains, correct?
4: That's correct. And so one of you's up in New York, and I don't know where the other two are, but I guess we are spread out, all, all of us. Yeah, place.
1: we are in all points. Uh, Bill Skywatcher, who's producing our show today is in new york uh bill uh, overcame a few dozen obstacles in the last uh, 12 hours to make sure we could get everything together for the show another part of those uh spacing time and distance and dimensions thing that i was talking about so i always thank SkyWatcher for his hard efforts to pull everything together val is up in uh, new england where i am she's in new hampshire i'm in maine and matt is out in california and uh Mary, do me a favor, just start out, introduce everybody to your website, and I think uh, a, a brief introduction before we jump into some of the things you wanted to talk about, how you got started in this, I think is really a uh, phenomenal uh, testament to uh, to your work. Uh,
4: the website is called skyshipsovercashers.com, and the reason we named it that was because we kept seeing all these UFOs, all different that were showing up over this mountaintop town called the Cashers. So, when we started the website back in 2008, we thought that's all we were going to do. Well, as you might have guessed, we were totally wrong. This has grown way beyond its name. Um, but um, that's how it actually started. My interest in uh, UFOs and topics like that uh, started when I lived down in Florida. I actually lived between Patrick Air Force Base and the Kennedy Space Center, got to meet people at NASA got to see UFOs, and so that's where the impetus for all of this started, but the website started in 2008.
1: Now, you pretty quickly established yourself as a a conduit, a, uh, a point of contact for people to reach out to. You. Now, it, it's easy for me to understand. I've known you now for a number of years. We've had a lot of uh, great conversations, emails. Um, all the shows we've done together have been uh, been interesting. You're very non-judgmental. Um, I know you have heard some uh, some pretty crazy things. And you always put a, a very, I think, very balanced uh, presentation of, of information there. And you do, I think, a pretty decent job of vetting people as well. You've been very uh, uh, diligent about that as well. That, my, goes uh, to,
4: that goes back to my newspaper background. Sure. Uh, yeah. I work for two major newspapers and so... Uh, the criteria that we used in that line of work I still apply to this website,
1: and I think it's uh, it shows it's quite evident that uh, your your level of integrity remains very very high, and I think that's uh, important. But you've also had a lot of uh, of uh, interest, experience, as well as uh, findings. I think is a good way to put it. And things like underground bases, activities, Bigfoot uh, activities, and this is none of the things that you were really set out or interested in doing. You weren't doing this kind of work before you uh, uh, started the website uh, and jumped into it, That's correct? Perfect. That's
4: correct. But can I just jump ahead and tell you what I'm the most excited about right now? Absolutely. Let's jump to it. Okay. This week I discovered 27 entrances into mars and we're talking about square cut entrances like um post and lintel um and they line up in a line and they go from north to south they're spread out over 16 miles and they're pretty darn good uh they're very large uh typically they're around 400 feet uh which would be four football fields in width and the largest one is just over a thousand now we just discovered or I discovered uh, entrances way back in like 2014 on Mars using Google Earth Mars. Right. Uh, But this time I changed the, um, the compass. So instead of having north to the north, I moved it over into the east position and it was much easier to find these things. And they just about perfectly lined up. And so when I find these things on Mars, Uh, And I've also found biospheres and large UFOs. Um, I I post them on the website, and almost always I have the coordinates on there. So anybody who wants to convince themselves whether this is true or false, they can use those coordinates and go explore these places for themselves. Uh, The discovery I made this week of the 27 entrances isn't even on our website yet, so you truly are the first ones to hear me talk about it and um if the world goes through it's supposed it will be uh posted uh this coming week
1: so what do you think they are do you think I they think are interested to, lot, to underground I, uh, facilities
4: i do i do and one of the uh, most recent postings we had was um uh, a friend of um dr von braun a friend who i also met back in the 80s um had private conversations and even back then he was talking about he felt that there were still um, intelligent life forms living on mars most likely beneath the surface that was back in the 60s so um, he was seeing a lot of um, them he knew a lot and uh, didn't always talk about it Um, the the source for all this information on my part is um, Clark McClellan and he just died in uh april and less than a month after he died uh his book came out now the government didn't much care for um clark even though he had worked there for 35 years because he felt that nasa or the government was holding back too much information and that the public had a right to know you know more than they were letting out and that didn't set well and so even though he worked there for 35 years as um, Um, what do you call it, a space uh, craft commander, which means he could uh, control the spacecraft from ground control. Right. And if there were problems, he knew how to work them out. And like I said, I had the privilege of meeting him uh, for several hours back in 89. And that was at the time when the government was starting to come down on him. And uh, he wasn't totally ousted until 91. They destroyed his career, they destroyed his benefits. Um, he couldn't even publish his information uh, until, you know, after he died. And so in the last year of his life, uh, he was giving these papers to, um, um, I guess, a friend, and that was published on May 17th. And if anybody wants to explore that for themselves, and I'll, I'll promote the book, uh, the big title is Space, The Final Frontier and the subtitle would be Secrets NASA Doesn't Want You to Know.
1: I, I, I'm looking forward to reading that book. I've followed a lot of the uh, entries that you've had on the uh, on the website and, of course, our, our conversations leading up to this show. Uh, quickly, I want to ask Val and Matt, Val, starting with you, what's your reaction to uh, what uh, Mary has just kind of uh, revealed to us or just uh, talked about?
2: Um, you know, it... I'm at the point where nothing would surprise me anymore. Um, You know, we keep finding more and more unusual anomalies on Mars, you know, with the technology we have, I love the fact that anybody can go look at these things. And we're not dependent on officials, you know, like, I, I think it's great that Mary is looking for these things and telling us about this because it's conversations like this that need to happen among the masses. And I, so I think it's, it's fantastic. Uh,
1: what's your sense? Cause you, you, we always ask you, you uh, just don't hear things. You feel them as you're uh, listening and experiencing. And I, even in the medium of the way we put the show together with electronic media, you, you often are able to de- to uh, to come down to it, what's your uh, what's your sense of this? Is it uh, intrigued? Is it uh, angered? Anything like that?
2: Um, definitely intrigue and definitely, um, you know, there's there's more there to to be discovered. Is is what I intuitively feel.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> Matt, how about yourself?
3: Yeah, when when Mary was talking about the entrances, that was very interesting to me. Um, I'm I'm a I, I'm, I know that there's one thing really obvious here, that if we find one single-celled, simple little organism on a moon of Saturn someday, that's it. Game over. We're not alone. You know, that's all it takes. And and to think of intelligent life not only out in the universe but nearby in our solar system is really interesting to me, you know. I, I, have, an, I have an idea for a sci-fi book someday that, that we finally achieve interstellar travel and we discover that the whole universe is littered with dinosaurs <laughs> so so that so earth turns out to be a freak planet with with the humans that are not supposed to exist so we end up being the most intelligent life in the universe which is incredibly egotistical but anyway i digress but that was very interesting mary what you were saying
4: mary uh, uh yeah
1: is it before, you get, before you get the publishing critique mary to uh, matt's uh, <laughs> uh, book uh, thought there uh, and and uh, you two can always get together off air and uh, maybe have him featured on the uh, on the website. Mary, one of the things I did want to ask you was, do you think that these are active uh, engineering uh, functioning operations? Do you think that they are ancient, or do you think that they're both? Uh,
4: I think that they're contemporary. I think they're in use now. Uh, some of the things I've discovered, uh, again, using Google Earth, Mars, um, once I posted it on the website, there have been a couple of situations, maybe more than a couple where within a day or two, um, it's all been distorted. So you no longer can see them. This has also happened when I found, uh, images, um, in Antarctica and, um, one of the, the intro, when they decide they're going to block them out or distort them, to me, that indicates they're very active locations. So if anybody starts playing detective like I've been doing uh, with Google Earth, um, if you see something fascinating, make um, get a, a screenshot because right. if it's really hot, you may not see it again.
1: Now, Mary, quickly, have you felt any kind of actual or perceived um cyber uh attacking issues uh with the site i don't ever really remember your site going down i've never really had any trouble looking at stuff occasionally um you will say that you know if we don't look quickly you may not be able to see it when you go to look for links they sometimes have shut down afterwards which is not surprising uh, at all in the age that we live in Um, but have you yourself seen anything on the site directed at it do you feel like you've had any kind of uh um, the attention? Only
4: was, the only time was very, very early on before even the website started, I think. And I had an old computer. I think it was easy to do stuff with. And um, I, it's been so long now, I can't remember the details, but it really went out of whack. It was like shut down. And I had the man who was in charge of fixing all the computers at the nearby university come and look at it. And he was flabbergasted because the only things that were taken down were my uh, postings about UFOs. So he didn't under, he couldn't figure out how somebody could come in from the outside, just destroy those things and leave everything else intact. Uh, With the computer that I have now, I've not experienced anything like that.
1: It's interesting. So, what else do we have to, uh, to talk about? I have a million questions, but I want to make sure we, we cover a lot of the, uh, the uh, major topics that you wanted to c- talk about.
4: Well, I do want to uh, quote uh, Von Braun because, again, uh, this conversation that he had really on beach chairs um, out on Cocoa Beach with um, um, Clark McClellan. And they would go off uh, and get and be away from everybody else when they were having these NASA events, usually award ceremonies. Right. And that's when von Van Tan would open up with him. And one of the things he said that's really stuck in my head was he said that at least some of those of our present human culture may be Martians, because in his opinion, um, whatever devastated Mars, and he thought it might be because the planet between, Mars and Jupiter you know was exploded other people think uh, it was a nuclear thing that happened on Mars I do not know which it would be but he said that they were capable of space flight at that time so there were many of them who fled uh, to Earth which was the nearest uh, inhabitable uh, planet to them and uh, I, I, I thought it was striking that he said there's probably Martians living among us today
1: um, a couple of things I want to ask on this, and then I'll, I'm going to ask the co-host to weigh in. Just a couple of points I want to make or comments, and then we'll, we can all discuss a little bit. Uh, Von Braun to me is a very interesting um, man, uh, person in all of this. Uh, an extremely uh, well, extreme's the right word. An extreme background. No matter how you look at it, there's just a, a, a many, many vectors in this in this person's uh, life and career, and he. I think I think it's recorded much more of what he has said, what he had thought, what he experienced. this uh, this remark that he it's attributed to him that uh, uh, there were Martians or extraterrestrials amongst us. That seems to really be back in uh, in in season in flavor with us now uh, with the uh, recent report uh, released by the government. Um, I have to just quickly say no surprise uh, to me that it was uh, what was in it. I won't even say it was disappointing because I didn't expect anything to come out of it. There are some interesting things in it uh, from an, in, uh, an old intel officers kind of look at it that, that make me uh, maybe wrinkle my brow a little bit or say a small aha. But back to Von Braun, it, to me, is a very interesting uh, uh, person in all this. But here's the thing I wanted to ask you all. Do you think that if. His open uh, the discussion of his feelings and his conclusions was more mainstream. We would be in a much different place now, or do you think he just would have been uh, uh, dismissed as uh, crazy? I'll start with you, uh, Mary, and I'll work around the, the group here.
4: Um, he was so high up. He was the head of rocketry. So I think it would be really difficult for NASA or the government to Uh, wipe him out like they did with Clark. Um, So he would not have been just swept away. Uh, With that understanding and with his credibility within NASA, I think we would be much further along if the information that he thought and felt back in the 60s had been shared at least to a larger degree with the public. We would be much further along in understanding all this.
1: Very well said. Val, how about you? Yeah,
2: I mean, I don't know a whole lot about um, you know, his particular studies, but, you know, I I do think that those types of organizations vastly underestimate the majority of the public. You know, I've been working with groups in the New England area on, you know, people who've had UFO and ET encounters, and I think there's a lot more open-mindedness and a lot less fear than than we assume that there is. And I think it's the fear that is keeping organizations from saying anything. Um, so I, I hope we can get to a point where it's it's more widely talked about in, in larger conversations.
3: Well said, Matt, what do you think? Any, yeah. any input? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're talking about Von Braun, the, the guy who helped uh, the whole V-2 rocket program during the war, right?
1: That is correct.
3: He was yeah. the father
1: of uh, rocketry for the Nazis. That's correct. Yes. After Operation a, Paperclip.
3: Uh, he yeah. was luckily brought to the United States. What an amazing story he is. I've read about him on Wikipedia and looked him up. And, yeah, he was hired by NASA because of his knowledge. He was just so so such a powerful person. Uh, possessor of knowledge, you know, and, and that he was sort of forgiven for, for helping bomb London, <laughs> you know, and it's an amazing story and became the head of NASA rocketry, And so, yeah, he, he's a, you know, what's frustrating to me is the thought that, that governments and organizations are withholding incredible information from the population when it makes me feel like like my one of my highest goals in life is to just get a good night's sleep and feel good and be happy. And meanwhile, there's con- conglomerations of people that are hoarding information that could enlighten the uh, humanity. I can't help but feel insulted, you know. And it, 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 it would have been nice if, if uh, Von Braun spoke openly about what, what he knew, and, and uh, everyone w- would have just opened up and shared it. You know, that's my thought on this.
1: Uh, you know, you bring up an interesting I point, uh, fear, Mary. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Corey, I'm Mary.
4: sure his hands were tied, just like yep. the astronauts' hands were tied. So, I think I, I think you, see, you bring a really good point. Yeah. You know, he, and
1: in many ways, he was like a defector. Um, I've met a couple. No, um, not uh, you know much more than a, a small group. Never really one-on-one, but I've uh, been with uh, a couple uh, groups that. Uh, were able to speak with defectors. And then almost in every occasion, the, they were then Soviet um, and a couple East German ones. And once they enter into that kind of life, they're still doing productive stuff, but they're never quite uh, clear of uh, their past, uh, where they're at. But what I think is really interesting is, uh, von Braun obviously thought Mr. McClellan had, uh, a uh, kindred heart a uh, a similar outlook uh, capability intellectual friendship whatever to share that kind of information with him mary is it fair to say that uh uh, things started to really go downhill after von braun passed away from mcclellan and he started to become more vocal or was there uh, something different on the timing
4: uh, the, the years that uh, the two men were um, you know really having time together was in the 60s. Right. It wasn't until the 80s that or 1980s that uh, Clark uh, began to be really squeezed by the government um, and his I, he, I think he left um, the NASA under duress in either 91 or 92. I don't remember off the top of my head. So no, I don't see they're two separate worlds really.
1: Understood. Well, I think that the 60s is a, uh, as we are now are approaching nearly uh, 70 years separation from it, uh, 60 to 70 years separation from it, that we're starting to um, come back to this particular part. This decisions made, um, actions that were taken have, and this probably happens in every uh, in every decade, but there's something about the change in the 60s to me that has the the implications that we're wrestling with today uh and i think it it zeroes in on extraterrestrials and other paranormal activities um i see it in a lot of other technologies where winners and losers were chosen uh not based on the merit of uh, competing in a market but uh, because the market had certain controls in it or certain powerful interests um uh, you know incredible uh, breaking technology was was uh extinguished pushed off to the side and I think culturally the same thing happened I'm gonna I'll put that out as a point to all of you uh, and I'll ask uh, you to react it, looking back uh, we we have all different age groups here uh, on the 60s um, we only have about uh, four or five minutes so I'm going to ask you to uh, each take a minute and react to that and we'll go to break Mary I'll start with you
4: uh, don't start with me on this one I'll go second
1: all right second Matt how about you 60s, yeah, come on. You, what but, do you think? Are we uh, – is it a culture clash or uh, or a, just a, a mix-up machine?
3: That's a good question. The, the, even the 60s being the decade of awakening or, or – give me a footnote there, Coburn. Well, it's you both.
1: You know, you have – you had a lot of awakening, but you also had a lot of things get, that got clamped down. They just were, weren't going dis- to discuss. Um, yeah. You had all these d- different kinds of breakaway things that were occurring – um, but the, what we're talking about here with von Braun and other people, a lot of things were, were completely shut down. And strangely to me, things that probably could have uh, stood a little uh, governmental, cultural, social control didn't receive it. They were just, you know, it, it was released, and it seems like it was released almost for a destructive kind of way.
3: Yeah, I know what you mean. Well, the 60s the '60s are obviously the decade of the first uh, space travel uh, human space travel and, and uh with the, well the very first satellite was that the 50s was sp- that was like 50s that's correct that was- yeah and so with the 60s were that leap in in uh in technology obviously and so yeah i can see how there would be a, a clampdown, you know and that uh, again that just i find that so offensive that the that, that people People just – that's just the 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 nature of animals, of, of human human beings being in the animal kingdom. We're packing animals, and so those with the knowledge and and the answers tend to hoard it, and I, it really insults me. I, I lose faith in humanity when I think of it. You know, incredible leaps in technology, and it's hoarded by the well, government. I, or,
1: my point is I think a lot of people think that uh, – uh, self appointed betters think that you know we can't handle so this is why they control it. Mary, I'm going to have jump to you and then we can get the bill.
4: Um, yeah, we're talking about control and uh, the powers that be whatever name you want to put on them, they just want to be in control so whatever it takes that's what they do and right now it seems to benefit them to withhold this kind of information. Uh, the technology that exists today is incredible when it comes to space travel. Um, you know, we're already on Mars, and yet to the public, they have seminar- uh, seminars like in Washington, D.C. every year uh, about Mars and about speculating on the future. My own opinion is anything they're speculating on in the future is already in existence
1: well hopefully one of our guests hasn't jumped on a uh, motorcycle and left the show val are you still with us or did you depart
2: yeah that was not me <laughs> 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 um yeah speaking on the 60s is a little harder for me well for direct well, experience the, um us I,
1: favor, do us a favor take the historical back in the olden days kind of approach for so you can work with us
2: well no, I mean I was I was born in seventy-six, so I was not alive in the sixties, so I didn't get to experience it directly. However, you know, my father was a product of the sixties, and you know, he and I had an E.T. encounter together when I was four years old. And when I revisited the experience through hypnosis, it was very different for each of us. I was four, so I was open and excited and enjoying the experience, sure. and my father was terrified. And looking back at it, my father was terrified because that's what he was taught. He was taught that these types of encounters are terrifying. It wasn't a terrifying encounter, but it was because that's what he learned. And I'm sure he learned that through media and books and, you know, that sort of thing. So to me, that that was very fascinating to see how different our perspectives were on the same exact encounter. Um, What did it look like for you? It was um, a very organic, um, it, it's really, really challenging to describe. It was almost like a collective consciousness of multiple small organic entities coming together to form one thing, if that makes any sense.
4: Uh, it's, it's not the normal definition or description that people usually give, uh, but you weren't seeing grays or anything that people are constantly seen in our media right now. And I do wanna point out that not all contacts are greys. Going back to Von Braun, he said he had seen real ETs that were from the star system of Aldebron. And uh, he said that they looked, um, uh, for the most part, that most of them were blonde and had blue eyes and were tall and looked quite human. Uh, So the idea that greys are the only ones we're having contact with is ridiculous. And um, maybe after your break, uh, we can also talk about um, Bill Tompkins, which uh, some of you guys may already know about.
1: Excellent. Well, that's, uh, as Mary said, let's jump to break. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Commander Cobra here with Val and Matt and our special guest, Mary Joyce. Uh, This is a a special edition, special project, special mission version of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. We'll be right back after this break. Please stay with us.
0: UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins, and etched on cave walls. They are even reported in the Bible. But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most, in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I, to D-Day, to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft? Or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dogfights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in Wartime, What They Didn't Want You to Know, by Mac Maloney, on sale at your local bookstore or on Amazon.com.
2: I was in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there.
5: These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers. was really the, the little things throughout the house. Counters so that you can't roll up to. I had to drag my wheelchair down steps.
2: I want to help but he is so determined.
5: At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function independently and focus on their recovery and family. This house is freedom. It's hope. It's a new beginning.
0: This house has given me my family back.
5: To learn more, visit hfotusa.org. Welcome back to
1: Mac Maloney's Military X-Files, Commander Cobra, and a, a special mission edition for Mac Maloney's Military X-Files on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. My guest tonight is Mary Joyce, longtime friend of Mac and myself, has been on this show a number of times and is a uh, incredible researcher, investigator. And uh, I would uh, record a historian. Uh, I don't want to say pundit, but good, great commentator. And as we heard in the first half, uh, Mary comes from a tradition of uh, investigative journalism and following the standards of what I always associated with uh, journalism and it shows in her work. Also, we have Val and Matt with us uh, as our co-host tonight. Mary, when we went to break, you were just getting ready to someone that you wanted to talk about. Please pick that up.
4: Yeah, there's a man, his name is, uh, he just went by Bill, Bill Tompkins, and he worked truly at the top levels of NASA. Uh, he was considered a confidential advisor to the top two men, which would be Von Braun and uh, I don't know how Kurt DeBus or DeBus uh, pronounced his name, but uh, he was in charge of NASA in, um, in Florida. And this man came out with a book, and again, I'm going to promote somebody else's book. It's called Selected by Extraterrestri- uh, Extraterrestrials by um, Bill Tompkins. And he said that there were aliens working at NASA at the highest level um, and they were exquisitely beautiful Nordic ETs, but they were brilliant. And he said that they would like give them ideas or just dump uh, information into their heads. And that's why back, uh, let's say in the 60s, there was such fast progress with um, space travel developments. Uh, After President um, Kennedy, you know, declared we should, you know, go to the moon and do all these different things, uh, we made rapid progress. And he attributes the ETs uh, uh, for that happening so quickly.
1: Let me ask you or make a point here and get your reaction. Over the years, and I have been fairly dismissive of this, that the uh, the Nazis had access to ET technology. Um, we talk about this Nordic connection. Um, I've always been, as I said, very dismissive of it. Uh, so it's a. I have two points that I want to make. I just want to get your reaction to this. Do you see any kind of connection uh, to the uh, the wartime? Uh, Nazi efforts uh, that went on and extraterrestrial specifically or uh, akin to this, the uh, Nordic E.T.
4: Um, I know uh, from what I have read and what I have heard that the E.T.s were involved with both the Germans and with the U.S. Whether they were the same group, I don't think so because uh, Tompkins, uh, Tompkins talks about them being uh, Nordic E.T.s. Um, uh, the ones uh, involved with the Germans were supposedly from the planet Alderon, and I'm not saying that right. I'm sure. Right. Um, and they were not quite the same. And again, uh, von Braun emphasizes that this is this planet is like a nursery for different species being developed. Um, so, you know, I think both um, countries were getting benefits from ETs. Uh, I also think that people like Von Braun and like uh, Bill Tompkins, they were such brilliant men and so interested in space and travel that they wanted to do that no matter which culture they were in. And I think that was the driving force behind these men. It wasn't uh, the alliance with one particular government over the other.
1: Sure. No, I think that that's a fair uh, fair point. Uh, Matt, what do you think on that reaction to that comment that I made? concerning uh you've we've talked about it when you've been on the show before with mac about uh, the nazis having uh a contact with ets and
3: uh, a abridging yeah.
1: activity with them your
3: thought yeah yeah I, I don't know much about i haven't done research and found found that little gold mine there yet and i'm very interested in that you know i know that that they were that hitler was a huge uh enthusiast of occult practices and uh what well, do you call it, like metaphysical or, or just mm-hmm. supernatural? Yeah. He, he, was, he was seeking that, you know, so anyway. And, and, and yeah, in that, a
1: very dark way, too, I might add, uh, everything that I've read on the historical part of it. It, it, it was it was downright uh, crazy stuff uh, to me.
3: Yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. In, in a desperate attempt to make sure his, his country wins the war. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, at extraterrestrial uh, interest as well, you know.
1: Adele, how about
2: you? Yeah, I mean, I've heard the same things that um, that Matt just said, and you know about Hitler and and all that, and it none of that surprises me. I I firmly believe that there are various ETs among us in governments walking around, you know downtown Portsmouth you know I think they're they're more prevalent than we realize I I do believe that I I've heard other people talk about you know seeing encountering somebody that just seemed a little bit not quite human I've had similar experiences so it, it doesn't surprise me at all well,
1: I just want to quickly note that uh, for the Portsmouth uh, Chamber of Commerce, if there's a, a nice uptick in uh, tourism because of Val uh, stating that uh, we have ETs walking amongst us in Portsmouth, um, I know I have experienced some ETs in a couple of the uh, brew pubs in Portsmouth, so I think that, that sure. we're probably tracking <laughs> yeah. on, on the right direction. All right, here's another uh, question I want to pose, starting with Marion, and, and, and get a reaction of our co-hosts. Uh, Mary, again, this is another one of these areas where you are very, uh, you're just, uh, you're straight up on this. You, you you don't really throw any spin to it. Uh, no doubt in your mind um, that we have activity in Antar- Antarctica. I've been there three times. I've seen some incredible things there. I have seen none of the things. And I was at one of the areas where we were supposed to have fought a rather large battle against, again, Nazis in league with uh, incredible technology. Some of it obviously uh, seems to be uh, either uh, re-engineered or sponsored engineer from extraterrestrial technology. But so we have that. We have this Antarctica uh, situation. We have this situation where uh, we think we have ETs on uh, on on many sides of it going uh, on. We, we can talk a little bit about Antarctica. That's uh, that would be great. But I also want to ask. How do you think we can keep this a secret? I, I have a reply to this if the question was poised to me. But how do you think we could have possibly kept this a secret all these years um, to this level of it that uh, Mr. McClellan and others like him, um, I mean, he kept his job for a number of years before he was forced out. Obviously, whoever was providing him cover or sponsorship or whatever um, was no longer there and I would probably seem from what we discussed uh, tonight that was probably von Braun that uh, gave him that kind of um, edge or protective cover but what's your thoughts how are we keeping these things uh, from from leaking out uh,
4: I think it's simply by threatening people and you know we're either going to take all your benefits away you're going to lose your job uh, if they get real serious about it they will threaten people's lives. Clark was afraid that he might get snuffed out. And other people have uh, been afraid that they, you know, might be snuffed out. Um, I did a story many years ago about, um, um, I did an interview with the wife of a man who designed like the security for Area 51. He designed the security for Air Force One. Um, Very, very knowledgeable person. And uh, in my interview with her, she felt very strongly that he had been um uh, killed and they can be real clean about uh, wiping somebody out. Uh, there's ways to uh, essentially start a heart attack uh, from a distance. So um, yeah, I think there's some really scary things. Um, President uh, um, one oh, blank uh, Carter who is right. another person I've actually met in person.
1: Right. Yep. And he he. Um, he commented you on the uh, study that you did
4: on uh, Jesus. He did. You've got a good memory. That was a long time ago. Uh, but he actually had seen um, a UFO. He went public about it. He was going to present all this information to the public about uh, this reality. And in my own opinion, I, this is not a quote from him, but when I put the pieces together, I think that, not only he was threatened, but I think his family is threatened or was threatened. And because, um, you know, the whole family had to know what he saw and the whole family won't talk about it. So um, it's amazing, you know, threaten somebody, you're going to take their life away. And that shuts up most people.
1: Very, I think it's a very fair, very astute uh, answer. Val, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I have to agree completely with what she said. Um, you know, we know how how easily people can be controlled by fear, and and threats are are a great way to to keep people silent. Um, you know, and I I think that's why having these conversations on small scales is is helpful to to get people talking about it. You know, I think if if the the masses are in agreement that yeah, this is all a possibility, then the threat isn't as threatening anymore we kind of dilute that through through coming together as a group i personally think that shows like yours
4: websites like mine um all these grassroots efforts to get the information out are the methods through which this information will spread among the general public people who are sitting around waiting for the government to just make this great revelation i think are totally out of touch with the reality of uh, what how the government operates. So Absolutely, perfectly all stated. of us little people who are doing our little websites and and podcasts and radio shows, we are creating um, a, a quiet groundswell of information that is becoming increasingly difficult to dismiss.
1: And, and there's a point I want to uh, uh, jump on very quickly, just add on to this is the reason, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. I would never reveal um, secrets or things that I was involved in that could possibly cause harm to the people that are still uh, engaged in activities uh, in, my, in my realm, uh, providing security to the, the, to the nation, to the people of this nation. So, but that kind of approach to me falls under this thing that's uh, what used to be a very popular term it's alternative media and the the interesting part about it is is that we are functioning under almost orwellian kind of uh think and act actions that go on uh the very medium by which we are speaking and people seeking it out um is uh very much uh what matt was referring to before uh, the frustration, the 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 anger of not uh, being able to, you know, judge for yourself or have the information go forward. No one's forced to, to to look at this. If you don't care about this and you're happy to go about your life doing whatever it is, that's fantastic. Um, just as I think it's just as fantastic if you want to know all these things. So you're right, uh, Mary. A website like yourselves, Max Show, which is, you know, grown in leaps and bounds because we find folks like you. We talk about that. Obviously, when Max at the helm, it has a a lot more style and a lot more uh, pizzazz. But we all come to the same point all the time. Um, If if we don't like something, we call it out and we say it for what it is. And that is the only way we're going to be able to draw the conclusion where we're at. Uh, Matt, I don't want to run over uh, asking you your thoughts and all this.
3: Yeah, yeah, this is really interesting to me. In fact, I wonder if my heart is more in social social psychology than anything else because I'm Well, you're really- a
1: musician, so I think that there is a probably – I don't mean that to be sound flippant when I say that, but it doesn't surprise me that you would have that kind of uh, – Social context or compact of
3: people. Yeah, yeah, the study of people in groups, behavioral uh, patterns and groups, because Mary was was touching on that. And I've it got every time I just get a, a I, I, I'll feel triggered at the thought of control those in control those who need to retain control and i think what a bunch of apes we are you know as a species (laughs) that there has to be there has to be a little group that needs to control and then i wonder where's the whistleblower in that group and then you think well Maybe there's a littler group that's controlling him, and they're saying you better keep quiet, or you lose your job. Well, then where's the whistleblower in the littler group? You know why? Where's the whistleblower? And I, I'm waiting for. I want the Edward Snowden to show up, who who knows everything that's going on, and say, and say I can't come to America anymore. But here's everything, everybody. I want so that
1: So l- let me give you a couple of things, Mary. You touched upon this. Um, you, there's no uh, no doubt how you phrased it. Uh, to me it seems very easy to keep secrets secret um, especially when you're going to intimidate people and if you don't really uh, want to intimidate by taking someone's life the easiest way to me is that you uh, you you place the threat upon families uh offspring um, once you have children and when you have extended family um, you you're really feel bound to uh, to not uh, let harm come upon them So to me, it's not all that difficult to go forward. And I think when things do slip out, we have now uh, an apparatus that is around it where uh, everything has been weaponized in every aspect of language, of how we uh, imagery, everything is on that. So if someone came out with rock solid proof, I can guarantee you within 30 minutes, if it's still on the World Wide Web, there's going to be rock-solid proof that this person is a complete nut, and if they're not able to come up with that, they're going to show you something that discredits them so horribly they're either going to withdraw it or they'll just outright suppress it. That's the interesting place I think we're at right now. You can ultimately suppress anyone or anything, and most people aren't all that upset about it. Me, I'm I'm spitting nails uh, aggravated about it. Your thoughts, ladies. I'll start with you, Mary.
4: Uh, there's a book uh, series. It's called Palmdale. Uh, at the moment, I can't remember the man's name, but he's like a, a retiree who worked at um, um, Area 51.
1: Yeah, Lockheed Palmdale.
4: He yes, and he talked about um, two groups of people who were involved with disinformation, and the uh, first group would uh, come up with all sorts of, I don't know, contrived stories and stuff to explain away things, like if everybody saw a UFO. They would come up with stories so that they it wouldn't be believed. Then there was a group that would jump in if the first group didn't have success. And that group were, you know, they were the tough guys. And that included the men in black. And some people think the men in black um, might be some kind of alien oddity. Uh, according to this man and other sources too, um, they were they are human beings, and their job is to intimidate people um if there's no other way to explain away a situation all
1: right i had to grab my kindle because i was pretty sure it was in there i believe you were referring to the uh, palmdale files and it's by uh anderson and lions if i if i've got the right one if i pulled it up on my screen here
4: uh i wish i could yeah i'm
1: pretty sure that's the one you're talking about um they uh, they span a lot of actual activities, things around like the U2 and other activities, and then they go into everything, uh, all the different things that are uh, forgotten and, and buried. So for folks that are interested, uh, a third set of uh, books. Um, Val, yeah,
0: here, give um, me
1: give, give me your read on what I have uh, come back that for the age that we live in, we're now almost in a perfect, uh, Uh, it's almost a perfect square. If you did have the evidence, if you do have the proof, if it's not uh, supportive to whatever the initiative is of those that are in control or trying to maintain control or or gather more power, if they can't outnote, just blanket it out, you're going to be you're going to be completely shredded uh, in every applicable way to make it sound like you're completely off your rocker.
2: Yeah. You know, that's, I think a lot of people have that fear. You know, I I mentioned that I I worked for many years with a a group here in New Hampshire that had multiple events around, you know, UFOs. We had social events and we had support groups. And um, first of all, I want to let Mary know that, you know, your website came up often, your books came up often. So, you know, the the discussions were being had um, and, and your information certainly helped those conversations, And, you know, we would have people come in afraid to talk about their experiences because they were afraid of ridicule. They were afraid of their boss finding out, you know, I've been through it. I, you know, as a single mother, I was afraid my ex-husband would use something against me. It's, you know, but we have to be brave and, you know, having the conversations and, appreciating when people are brave enough to push through the fear and talk about it anyway, the more we can do that, the more we will overcome these obstacles. I think, I think we just need more people to come together and be brave and support each other when somebody is brave and not let these potential discreditations I don't think that's the right word. Um,
1: <laughs> hey, we're going to let it fly. Cause it, it sounded really good. Thank you.
2: <laughs> you know, but I think if we can come together as as a group and support these people, I think that will make a huge difference. I think that's the only way to, to do it.
1: Barry, your reaction to that?
4: Um, I agree with that. And the other thing is that these people who uh, get to be um, close to um, exiting the planet, uh, many times will come forth and they have great credibility and they will spill some of the beans. And that happens because many of these these people, they are just weighted down with the burden of knowing the truth of something, and they want to get it out. So it's like with Clark's book. He truly tried to get it out earlier, but after he died, it did come out, and it's brand new, and it just came out on the 17th of May. So um, it's not as organized as I wish it could be because the editor and me would love to really organize it in a different fashion. But he essentially was turning over his papers to this man simply to get them published. And don't think it's unreadable because it's not, but I'm oh, sure. no.
1: I, I I. but I've, I've read enough of your work, and I understand that it's hard for you not to, uh, to line things up. Uh, in the logical way that you you present stuff, um, I think that uh, Mr. McClellan and I probably are very much alike. It it I'm sure when I finally get to read it, I'll be comfortable with it because it seems to me that it's a it's a file and it's a journal and it's uh, it's compiled in that and it may have its own uh, sense of uh, of uh,
6: and
4: read the way I do. I read it by um, jumping around and reading the stuff I was most interested in first. And then I would just yellow mark, i destroy books, uh, would yellow marker uh, the index, um, you know, so that right. I could find out the stuff I really wanted to know first. And it makes it much more interesting that way.
1: Well, good, uh, good uh, tip, um, uh, hint. Matt? Yeah. What is, give me your… Um, Give me your closest run to having an experience that falls in the category of, of, of paranormal, because I suspect that you're a lot like me, um, really would like to have the experiences that uh, Mary and and Val have had. I've had some interesting ones myself, but nothing to me in that classical sense. I think that's why I always use the expression, um, you know, God's peace. Um because it surpasses all knowledge and understanding because I think once you are able to let stuff like that go uh, and just accept all the really cool things around it, it lets you look at things that you're interested in. Have you ever really had anything that you just, you know, has, has done it or are you just like me? Everything you see around is interesting and and or and some is just a little bit more interesting than others.
3: Well, you know what, Cobra, and tell me if I break up at all here because I, I had a definite experience and, and i'm like you i'm an aviation uh, enthusiast i know a lot about airplanes about flying and how airplanes work and how flying objects work in general but quickly i'll just tell you i was driving north this is about seven or eight years ago i was driving up to the bay area san francisco bay area on the 101 freeway and i was near san jose and this wasn't at twilight right at the time that evening is starting but there's still light in the sky and a meteor uh flew over the over northbound over the freeway that was so large it was one of those where you can see smoke on it and so i knew what it was and the traffic actually slowed because it was so obvious it was right in front of us as if we were had front row seats to this event all the cars slowed down and now i'm scanning the sky because of what just happened and what i saw to my left so the northwest were two lights that looked like uh, the ends of the wings of a very large airplane. They were far in the distance, and there were two lights, and they started rolling over each other clockwise. And I thought to myself, that's a big airplane to be doing a roll like that. And they rolled, and then they separated and went up into the sky, and a few stars were visible, and these two points of light sat perfectly still like stars. And so I was dying for a telescope because I knew that those two points of light that just separated and flew on their own to the sky and became totally stationary uh, were not stars, but they looked just like them. Right, and that right. was right after a meteor. And the timing of it was just in- incredible. So I'm here to tell you, I, I really had a full-on experience. Like Very that. cool. Yeah.
1: Well, folks, we're, we're rapidly approaching the end here. Obviously, we can go on. I want to give uh, a last uh, round uh, to uh, – both Val and Mary, I do want to add, we talked about a number of books, but I always like to uh, remind listeners if they have not grabbed Max books in particular, he's a very prolific writer, but beyond area 51 and UFOs in wartime, what they do not want you to know both by Mac Maloney. I think if uh, you're interested in what's coming out with the, uh, the report from the government that just published, just dropped a, a, a little while ago, uh, those are two excellent books to uh, to read. Um, Mac uh, really lays out, a, uh, I think, a, a kind of a critical analysis of a lot of information, things that just do not add up, things that do not uh, square when you look at it. And I think, Mary, that's uh, something that you've uh, uh, spent a lot of your time with as well, just pointing out and uh, developed a uh, uh, a position with a number of people that you're a trusted person to come to and talk
4: to. You got to be honest and you got to keep your mouth shut when people tell you their secrets and only let them out with their okay. In fact, anything I post on the, on the website, skyshipsovercashers.com, I run the story by the person before I post it. So it's not like a newspaper in that respect right. because newspaper people can just post it and you, it may not be the way you want it to be. Right.
1: And just walk away and, and, and leave you holding the pieces. That's skyships right. over cashers like, and it's spelled like cashiers. And all I, I i tell you, just put Mary Joyce UFO, Mary Joyce ET, Mary Joyce Paranormal, into any one of your major search engines. Uh, you can uh, reach out, or you can go to Cobra D-T-O-M, at ProtonMail.com, and I'll be more than happy to link up anybody uh, who would like to, to talk with uh, Mary through her website. Val, oh, I'm going to leave it with you. We're down to our last uh, couple of minutes. Um, give us the read on this part of the show, if you don't mind.
2: Um, you know, it's it's fascinating to feel the energy of people who believe in what they're talking about and the intent behind it is to spread knowledge. And it's, it's a really good feeling. It's, it's a really good feeling. We need more of this.
1: Well, thank you, Val. And uh, not to, uh, not to sound too corny here, but the truth is out there. A uh, famous line from uh, the X-Files, which kind of matches Macaloney's X-Files. And folks, it's been uh, a great, fast first hour. Mary Joyce, SkyshipsOverCashers.com, her website, Val Lafraza with us, and Matt Malley with us as the uh, co-host. We're going to try to reach out through space and time. Switchblade Steve Ward next. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the other side of the divide on this show and uh, talking to all of you and engaging with all of you when Mac is back at the helm here very soon. Thank you very much from Commander Cobra on this block of Mac Maloney's Military X-Files on the Distant Thunder Radio
2: Network.
0: Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed, the Hampton Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO trail in South America, Ong's Hat, and the very mysterious M-Triangle. Mac Maloney Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a foreword by the very famous Juan Juan. On sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. UFOs are found in Renaissance art, on ancient coins and etched on cave walls. They're even reported in the Bible But more surprising is when UFOs are seen the most in times of war. Through centuries, thousands of UFO sightings have been made by high-ranking officials, military pilots, and ordinary soldiers. Often, these fantastic appearances occur at the height of great battles. From World War I to D-Day to Korea, Vietnam, and beyond, military investigators are baffled. Why do UFO sightings spike so drastically during wartime? Could it be mistaken aircraft? Or is someone, or something, looking in on us? In UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, Mac Maloney chronicles centuries of these incredible sightings and tries to solve the puzzle of why so many UFOs are seen while humanity is at war. Read about the scare ships, the ghost planes, and the ghost rockets, alien giants in the jungles of Vietnam, UFOs controlling our ICBM bases, dog fights with flying saucers during the Gulf War, and more. 300 pages of unbelievable stories, along with many startling photographs. That's UFOs in wartime, what they didn't want you to know, by Mac Maloney. On sale at your local bookstore or on amazon.com.
4: I was
2: in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there.
5: These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers. That was really the, the little things throughout the house. Counters so that you can't roll up to. I had to drag my wheelchair down steps.
2: I want to help. But he is so determined.
5: At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function independently and focus on their recovery and family. This house is freedom. It's hope. It's a new beginning.
0: This house has given me my family back.
5: To learn more, visit hfotusa.org.
1: Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is the second half of the Double Tap, the yo-yo off the tanker show that we've been uh, talking about uh, tonight. Uh, This hour, we're together with Steve Ward, otherwise known as Switch, or Switchblade to everyone in the Mac Maloney Military X-Files universe. Uh, He is truly tonight our um, national correspondent field reporter, He is doing a fringe report, a field fringe report. I'll let him describe where he's at. But as I said in the first part, I just always want to say thank you to the magic of uh, Bill Skywatcher producing and making uh, the magic work on this show. We have had to do this show in uh, parts because everyone is uh, greatly and widely dispersed. Matt, Wanwan and Raven are off on secret missions. And we have Switch on a mission that's not so secret that he'll describe that we're uh, working through. So it's been a rather busy uh, 48 to 72 hours, getting everyone together, getting it worked up. And uh, as always, Skywatcher always on the wing there, making sure that we can somehow pull it all together. Switch, it's good to hear your voice. Um, I'm ghosting here for Mac or guesting, depending on how you want to say it. Why don't you tell everyone where you're at and where this uh, fringe field report's coming from?
6: Well, I am in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which, of course, we have talked about numerous times on the show. This is the uh, the, the lair of the Mothman, the Mothman that was seen uh, predominantly over about a year's time, about 13 months, really, uh, but not exclusively the 13 months, from November 15, 1966 to December 15, 1967. And, of course, the Mothman was that winged creature or apparition, depending on your viewpoint. It stood about six or seven feet tall, had a piercing red glowing eyes, about a 10-foot wingspan, roughly the shape of a man, and uh, proceeded to scare the hell out of a lot of people. Chase chased cars up and down Route 62 and was seen originally in the TNT area, which also we've talked a great deal about. The T and T area is about six or seven miles north of here. Uh, I was out there last night. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I really want to describe the surroundings here. I, I'm just, uh, uh, in, I'm in the uh, just off from the downtown area of Point Pleasant and uh, I'm overlooking the Ohio river. I'm looking East across the Ohio. And if I look South, I can see what they call the Memorial silver bridge. If I look up North, you see the, uh, the train bridge. Right. Now the original Silver Bridge paralleled was right next to the train bridge, right. and came right off of, of a Sixth Street, and that's the one that collapsed back in December fifteenth of nineteen sixty seven. And uh, uh, the like I say, the old train bridge still stands there, but uh, the Silver Bridge is uh, if you go down to where it stood, there's a, a little memorial, uh, a little kind of a. Uh, uh, kind of a squared off memorial that describes what happened and that 46 people lost their lives that night. Now there's a, uh, what, what, what uh, cuts that off from the sixth street now is this very long flood wall that goes up and down this part of the Ohio. And it's the, the, the flood wall itself is phenomenal because uh, a, a gentleman named Charles Humphrey, who was one of the, uh, one of the town fathers here, he, he's he been responsible for building this beautiful amphitheater that I'm kind of sitting on top of right now that goes down to the water. They have uh, performances here. They have have uh, rock groups and, and all kinds of music. They have the, the Miss Mothman uh, pageant there as well. Uh, it's just very, very scenic. But if you look behind me, you'll see this incredible flood wall and each section has uh, a, a, a Paintings out of history, uh, colonial times, the the Battle of Point Pleasant, which goes back. I can't give you the exact year. I'm a little rusty on the on the specific history. But back in in those days is when uh, uh, Chief Cornstalk, who was a peacemaker, was murdered, and uh, some people uh, claimed that he had uttered a curse on the area which created the Mothman phenomena and the strange lights and so forth. It turns out to be absolute nonsense, and that's another story we can pursue. But uh, now if you go up now, through the floodwall. So so I just I want to throw
1: yes. this in. I just made a quick okay. note because um, you are a, uh, a subject matter expert and quite a well-known um, uh, personality in uh, Point Pleasant uh, concerning the uh, Mothman uh, activities and festivities. You've been there for years. You've given a number of talks on it. Have you? I already know this is going to come up when uh, when Mac reviews the show. Have you been able to work a judgeship for Mac and Wanwan in the Miss Mothman uh, beauty pageant?
6: Uh, I would say there are a lot of things that are unlikely to happen that would probably happen first before that would occur.
1: That's but probably one of the I, most uh, congressional uh, pathways to a no that I've heard in a long time. Please uh, continue, I, 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 sir. I, will, I just but, I wanted I, to ask,
6: but I will be honest. I haven't really pursued that because you know I don't want to be blacklisted myself. So I uh, you know I, I I just don't I just don't see it happening. But but we would welcome the entire Mac Maloney crew down here at some uh, some point in the Mothman Festival, uh, or even or even just a, a road trip to Point Pleasant. Because there's so much to see and do, uh, even without the uh, activity of the festival.
1: Well, it has been talked about, and uh, we may be at the uh, the the right alignment of the uh, celestial bodies of our solar system for this to occur. Now, if I turn and go to the uh, to the east, and I
6: go through the flood wall opening, uh, you'll go right into downtown Point Pleasant. You'll pass the uh, the historic Low Hotel, which is a place that. Uh, John Keel stayed at at for a while, uh, when he was down here. Now he also stated a, a more in quotes, modern motel, which isn't so modern anymore, uh, in Gallipolis. Now Gallipolis, Ohio is on the other side of the silver bridge, just, just to kind of get your geography right. all, all set because the Ohio is splitting West Virginia and, and the Ohio river is splitting West Virginia and uh, the state of Ohio. So if you go back through the, uh, the flood wall, you'll go right into downtown point pleasant. If you keep walking straight back, you're going to hit the majestic Mothman statue, which was, uh, created by Bob Roach. Uh, Bob Roach is no longer with us, but he also has created some other historic figures, other statues, uh, down along the top of the flood wall here. I mean the top of the amphitheater, uh, namely, uh, chief cornstalk himself. And another figure out of history, uh, I think they called her mad Anne Bailey. And, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I don't think I can give you a good summary of mad Ann Bailey, but I think just the name itself conjures up visions. So anyway, you go in toward the Mothman statue, you look off to your left a little bit and there's the world's only Mothman museum. And, uh, it was Jeff Wonsley. It was Jeff Wonsley and Carolyn Harris that started the Mothman festival back about 2001. And, uh, uh, Carolyn, unfortunately is no longer with us for the last few years, but she was a, a, a force to be dealt with. She just, uh, uh, she actually lost her, her son on the bridge collapse that night. He was about six years old and he was crossing the bridge with his, uh, with her ex-husband. And, uh, but nevertheless, she uh, did whatever she could to help revive that the town that was really having a trouble uh, financially, sure. and so she and Jeff Wanzeley joined forces, and they started this Mothman festival, which went from very humble beginnings to this huge. Uh, I mean, uh, ten thousand, twelve thousand people, and it just as an aside, you know, we went out to the T and T area last night, and uh, you know, usually you go out, you go out there by yourself in this time of year, but there were a, a number of people out there. It was like being at the Mothman festival with all the people out there checking out going off Potter's Creek road and checking out uh Eagle road number seven, which is the one that uh, uh, people check out the most. And uh, I, I'm thinking, good Lord, if it, this is happening now, the festival, and especially after not having one last year, we'll get more to the festival in, in a moment. But anyway, the, the Mothman, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked again. The Mothman museum was founded by Jeff Wamsley and uh, he has actually several other stores uh, uh, up and down main street that, that covered all kinds of uh, pop culture stuff. And see uh, he's got uh, two other stores. His daughter, Ashley has a store called Counterpoint, which with the goods that are made by locals here, I mean it's just they have done this one family has done so much to revive this town. And in the tradition of Carolyn Harris, which she owned Harris's steakhouse, otherwise known as the Mothman Diner. And she was you know someone that that fed people that didn't have any money. I mean, she was just one of those people you, uh, you, you read about in storybooks, just an amazing lady. Anyway, the, the uh, museum is so well done. There's nothing, no halfway measures. There's nothing cheap about the merchandise and there's certainly no shame in buying a, a phenomenal Mothman t-shirt. They have a huge variety. They've got coffee mugs. They've got great books. Uh, they've got memorabilia from the film, the Mothman prophecies. They have the original newspaper articles and the, uh, some of the original when uh, the two couples were chased down route 62 on November 15th, 1966, uh, they have the police reports here. He has Jeff has just, uh, accumulated all kinds of stuff. Plus he has a couple of great books out, which uh, cover a lot of this, uh, Mothman, the facts behind the legend, the truth behind the legend and Mothman behind the red eyes. And you get debris prints a lot of this stuff that is just, you know, lost to history and lost to time. So, uh, it's just a, uh, and, and right now it's uh, while it's in the eighties, I've got a nice breeze coming off the uh, Ohio. I'm sitting, uh, there's a lot of trees that go up and down uh, on the top of this amphitheater. And so I'm in the shade and, uh, very comfortable. And, uh, I, I just wish that people could, uh, what they have to do, is they have to get online and look at some of the pictures in the area. I mean, just looking across to Ohio uh, and looking up and down the river and every once in a while you'll see these huge barges come by, you know, up and down the Ohio. So, uh, and, and, and if you go down uh, a little bit uh, to the uh, south, you'll come to the, the confluence of two rivers. The Kanawha river is also there. And there's also, there's quite a, a, bit, a bit of paranormal lore about what happens with the confluence of two rivers. And uh, it may be true with everything that has happened here. And, uh, the monument the chief corn stalk is down there. And, uh, there's just, you know, there's just so much history here. The geography is phenomenal. And then there's the call it folklore, call it uh, history of the mothman and the strange sightings uh, that, that people saw and all the experiences. It's just absolutely phenomenal. And definitely you, you need to put it on your bucket list and get it up toward the top.
1: Switch. Um, uh... For everyone who who I'm sure there's very few people listening that don't have at least a pretty good understanding of Mothman, uh, dive in a little bit. You have had some experiences why you've been there. You've been there a number of times uh, over the years. As I said, you know, you've uh, moderated talks, you've given talks. Um, you know, a lot of the folks that uh, have really uh, uh, created the festival and created the uh uh, the tabulation, the record of, of history there. Uh, explain to everybody some of the stuff that's gone on uh, for you personally, while you've been there. Well, it, uh, just a, a little bit. As I've told people
6: uh, time and time again, I'm not an experiencer, but one night I decided that I was going to go into the TNT area alone. Now the TNT area was uh, established during, uh, it's now it's called the McClintock wildlife area. Uh, something like oh uh, thousands of acres of uh, of land that's like, just public land now.
1: I guess that's you should explain to the, the uninitiated uh, switch why it's called the TNT area, so that they understand.
6: That's that's I'm, I'm just on the verge because if you go back to the '40s, and you should check out again the old photographs, the old black and white photographs, because it was quite a complex uh, with all kinds of buildings and so forth. It's where they actually made explosives for the World War II effort, and they had they built about a hundred of these concrete bunkers. We call them igloos, uh, and you can still get in a lot of them. Some of them were sold to private interests, but uh, that's where they stored the munitions. And also they uh, they designed it so that the they had uh, foliage and, and stuff growing on the bunkers. So that if, if God forbid, the Nazis made it inland and flew over, they would see, it looked like just terrain. So they wouldn't, wouldn't see that it was a, a group of buildings that were housing anything. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, a it's a spooky area in the daytime and at night it's even spookier. And back in the sixties, it had been, it had been abandoned for a long time. So it was a creep. It's been a creepy area for decades and why, uh, some Hollywood movie producer or even independent movie producers aren't out here exploiting this from some kind of a, a backdrop of a film or a film. I don't know, but, uh, There's there's one particular, if you go north on Route 62, you know, this is the same road that that, uh, the Scarberries and the Mallets were chased by this creature, the Mothman, uh, back on November 15th, 1966. And they they were out uh, by the old, where the old power plant used to stand. And uh, that's been torn down. That was torn down in the 90s. But I did visit it back in 1977 after I had read the book, The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel. You know, you read a book, that you're fascinated by and you have to see the area. So I was able to get into the old uh, ruin, uh, before they tore it down. But I, I got sidetracked again because one night, several years ago, I think it was, you know, one of these, uh, one of these igloos blew up back in 2011 and, uh, somebody was had stored storage, something in there. They weren't supposed to, it was, it was privately owned. And, uh, I was down there a week later, it blew its top off and blew the metal doors out. And we went back there last night and it looks like if anybody can remember the original time machine film, uh, Rod Taylor goes to, uh, he sees this, this this old ancient dome, which is kind of broken down and there's all kinds of stuff growing on it. That's kind of what it looks like now. I mean, it's really the, 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 uh, I believe that was one of the stories
1: of the illustrated man, uh, on that, uh, Film adaptation of uh, the book.
6: Oh, it could be. Uh, it, uh, but it's really the uh, uh, the the uh, uh, the foliage, the, uh, the 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 forest is really has really taken it over. Uh, but that it was that uh, that weekend that my friends went back home, and I thought, I want to see what it would be like just to go out to the T area alone one night. Now the locals come out here all the time. They camp, they hunt, and so forth. They fish, and it's not a big deal. But uh, I hadn't done that before, so I uh, I went out and I went uh, you know the uh, Potters Creek Road, took Igloo Road number seven. I even went in one of the igloos and I had my had my recorder going and I looked kind of like a paranormal investigator just in case I captured something. And then I drove back. Well, when I was driving back, I experienced a couple flashes of light. And I I can't, I don't know what it was, but I didn't have the presence of mind to think where in the road was this so I can come back tomorrow and see if I can figure out what happened. And when I got back to my couple things happened, when I got back to my hotel room across the river in Gallipolis, the first thing I did is look at the clock because I wondered did I have any missing time? And I'm actually a little confused about that. I, I, at first I thought, no, And then I thought, well, maybe you see, I didn't write anything down and I kind of beat myself up uh, for that for a while, except I've heard other people that have had other experiences were weirder than mine that didn't have the presence of mind or had almost amnesia about it where they didn't do what they should have done to try and figure out what was going on. Now, I don't know if I lost any time or not, but here's the weird part. I opened the door to my room, the TV set turned on and started flipping through channels all by itself. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, no, this doesn't happen to me. All right, this is not. This does not happen to me. So I did what any intrepid paranormal investigator would do: I unplugged the television set and went to bed. Okay, now there's a postscript to this.
1: Now, there's a, level, a, there's, later, a le- there's a level of dedication there, uh,
6: which. Uh, <laughs> yes.
1: That- well, again, I, uh,
6: I, I, I did it all wrong. So the next time uh, I have a possessed television set. I'm going to take photographs and and, uh, take notes. Uh, But uh, a year later, almost exactly a year later, I'm there in uh, the room next to that room. And uh, with a couple of friends, we're we're crammed in there trying to save some money. And that night, the TV set turned on by itself. Same, same old style TV set. And I thought, wow, that's weird. So we we did experiments, what, what I should have done before with the remote to see if we could make it come on. Maybe it's a stray signal. We don't know. The next day, one of the guys and I came in, in the uh, room, the TV set turned on by itself and flipped through a couple stations.
0: But okay.
6: All right. Then a few years later at the Mossman festival, the next room over, which is a corner room and it's a bigger room. And two couples were in there. They had a newer television set and they were having trouble with the volume. The volume kept going down. They kept turning it up and then all of a sudden it would blast, and they'd turn it down again and go through the cycle. Then all of a sudden, somebody had some kind of a beverage can or whatever on the uh, uh, end table, and it flew off the end table. So I don't know how to explain what happened there. If something followed me back that night from the TNT area, and it's it's an ancient uh, Native American burial ground uh, that goes way back. Uh, uh, If somebody came back with me, Fortunately, they're still flipping channels and, and and residing in the motel
1: and did not follow me home. Now, do you have to pay for that? I mean, is that something that you have to, you know, declare a checkout?
6: out? <laughs> uh, mom's the word. Now, it's either in, in this area, it would probably increase their, uh, you know, uh, the, they would probably knock the, up the uh, value of the room. I
1: said I would think uh, the value of the room would go up for you know paranormal. Uh, but seeking, uh, experience-seeking uh, folks. It could, it could just be YouTube. It could just be YouTube as well. It, it as might, as, be because, you might be because... Uh, it might be the antenna, I, you know, that focuses the uh, the energy.
6: Except that I was only in two of the rooms. I wasn't in the third room, so maybe... Maybe,
1: maybe your I range left is 100 extending, 100. maybe you're rebroadcasting, <laughs> and and you have, you have I, a wider range now.
6: I don't know. There's only one other kind of a minor experience, and uh, it was about 2012. Uh, a group of us were down on the Ohio River, near where the Silver Bridge used to stand, and uh, we were. The, some of the people there were uh, very. They're very uh, successful at getting EVPs, uh, and you know, of course, those are the voices imprinted on, on tapes. And they right. were very, very respectful because of the area, because of those that had passed uh, years before on the bridge. And they were asking questions and so forth. And one of the ladies, in fact, it was our own, uh, Emily Mittermeyer had set up a flashlight. Uh, you know how they do it on TV where they, the flashlights yeah. almost right. on, but it's not right. quite on. Okay. All of a sudden this thing went off by itself and we thought, well, that's interesting. So we, uh, and then it went off and then we, so we we were stamping our feet to see if the vibration would, would knock it, would, would make it go. And so a little bit later I thought, well, you know, I've seen enough of these TV shows. I know what to do. And I, I said, okay, if there's anybody here, would you please turn the flashlight on at the count of three? I counted down three. The flashlight went on for three beats and then went off. And I said, can I say, holy expletive now? And everybody laughed and that uh, they had a recorder going later on. A friend of mine checked out the tape and he said, he's not positive, And it was not certainly not a class a EVP, but he thinks he may have heard a voice after I said, can I say holy explicit now the voice say little baby. <laughs> so I, I, I might've been demeaned by one of the inhabitants of the, of the netherworld at that same time. So, and then the, the last uh, thing I did was a little bit later. I thought, well, let's see if lightning strikes twice. So I said, again, if there's anybody here, would you turn the flashlight on to the of three? And I counted down and then three beats, nothing flashlight came on for three beats and then went off. Now, certainly this could all be a coincidence. And again, this stuff doesn't happen to me. So, you know, uh, the audience can decide what happened there.
1: Except when it does.
6: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, but I have been with people out of the T and T area that were having experiences, uh, becoming nauseous. Uh, a couple ladies I was out with one time were experiencing, they thought some kind of a shadow person, and they were comparing you know, we compared notes. I mean, they, they were seeing the same thing, reporting it without talking to each other. Uh, a few years ago, I was out with a group and they were looking behind them and they could see some like shadowy figures that were changing shape behind them. I didn't see anything. So, uh, it's, uh, people experience a lot of things out there and they get, uh, classic evps they get uh uh they see uh, shadow people and so forth not too much in the way of mothman sightings these days but uh it's uh it's an intriguing area and uh and then you know to lead into the mothman festival on saturday night where there's three of us that do a uh uh a tour and one of them is jeff wamsley the curator of the mothman museum the other one is uh, Brittany Sear. She was on my show, the high strangest factor last year. And we saw her last night. Uh, we went out uh, all of us together, the TNT area, and she was a, a former Miss Mothman. And she's actually won several pageants. And, uh, she's a, uh, quite a force in the community. And, uh, she's one of the, uh, presenters on, it's kind of like an old fashioned, uh, uh, hayride. Right. And, uh, Jeff has a few, uh, even I helped set up a few oh uh, creepy crawlies in, in the T and T area to make it a little bit like a Halloween sure. uh, uh, setup. But the the high point is when John and Tim Frick fly the Mothman, uh, and and it's it's great because there's these old structures are still there. These, if you look at the old photographs, you'll see where the train cars came underneath and loaded and unloaded their uh, their uh, material, whether it be T and T or other the stuff to make the the explosives. And, uh, those, those buildings are still there all overgrown and everything. And I just, I just wish people could see, you need to go in, online and check images of this place because it has, it's a perfect setting for a, a, any kind of a hayride. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, I give them the, a little bit of history and we have a lot of fun a lot of, uh, a lot of stale jokes, but they're not too stale because all that, the, every time the ride is different. And so not everybody, there's, a, there's one couple that comes every year and they listen to my <laughs> the same thing, but they, it must be entertaining enough to come every year, but, uh, it's just an absolute blast. And everybody was so disappointed that it didn't happen last year.
1: Now I have to throw in here really quickly that, uh, Mac would have uh, jumped on this, um, in, in a big way. So I feel obliged to, uh, as I'm oh, sitting, yes. taking the helm here for him. Uh, when you said that you were out with two women and you made them nauseous, I believe you would have got the <laughs> uh, the rimshot uh, sound effects there. So I just the ode to back, uh, I want to make sure that we uh, uh, make note of that. Uh, well, you, you're gonna go that. in, you guys. Speak some time on the festival here. Um, give me it to me. There's a, there's the right kind of mix here of serious. Um, contemplation even investigation um of of what happened with mothman and all the other phenomena that surround this 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 is to me another one of those almost near perfect um universal theory of paranormal that we always talk about uh, that max started us uh, you know uh, developing uh, the working theory because a lot of other things happen around it and there's also an what i think is uh, appropriate uh uh fun that goes along with it i mean there's i think that there's just downright uh celebration you know people having a good time around this uh so it spans you know it, it's got a nice arc of, of all the activities there and as you said uh there's uh there's good things to see there at the museum it's well done uh it's it's focused but it also has uh um uh, some entertainment value some interest uh, uh, oh, developing oh, sure. part of it and and i think that that's something that's really what the last couple of decades would you say is really what uh, has, has, has come into focus?
6: Yes. Uh, it, it started, I don't even know. Uh, I didn't start going until 2006 and it was pretty well attended back then. Uh, but it's really, really grown since then. I, I also want to say that on Saturday and Sunday at the old theater, they have speakers all day and just, they, they cover everything, not just the mothman, right, but, uh, right. Bigfoot UFOs and, and, and big names too. uh, I know that uh, Nick Redfern is going to be here this year and Ken Gerhardt, a cryptozoologist. And, uh, so they, they really, it, it, it just, uh, it really does have uh, a, a wide array of speakers. I, am not, uh, as far as I know, I will not be speaking this year, but, uh, I, I have, uh, about three different times. And so, uh, you just get, uh, you get everything. And of course you have the, the standard, uh, vendor stuff up and down the street, you know, any, any food you can think of including, Mothman pancakes and uh, they have uh, stuff for the kids. They have the, the bouncy thing. You can jump up and down and the, uh, and, and a, and a skyline, you know, you can, the kids can, can go down. Oh, and they even have.
1: A full I, I size. heard that you're kind of the king of the bouncy castle though. Is that true?
6: No, I, it's that uh, my, uh, my uh, knee won't allow me to these days. As oh, much so as I'd love to get a vicious in there. Rumor so. That
1: Mac uh, has been it's, spreading it, about it, that it, you are. Yeah,
6: that many, many vicious rumors but there's if you you remember the stay puffed marshmallow man from ghostbusters
1: yes well they have a full
6: size one in a vacant lot there plus they have (laughs) plenty of people uh doing the cosplay of ghostbusters um uh, they just have uh and 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 in every every kind of oh and then if you uh that's up and down main street but the uh the street that crosses it that empties into the uh past the flood wall and then uh, then goes up past the uh Mothman statue that's where most of the uh, you'll find most of the speakers and their tables and uh, there's there's plenty of vendors with uh, books and t-shirts and you know you you can't help but get the mothman fever and you want to buy everything that has Mothman on it uh, and I, <laughs> I I've accumulated quite a bit over the years
1: well uh, as any uh, good investigator you are uh, you're dedicated to your your research, and you are a font of knowledge, as we have recognized here on McMillan's Military X Files in the past, and, and obviously Mothman is one of the uh, areas that you truly are an SME, the subject matter expert, not just for our show, but for a number of uh, other occasions that have gone on. Uh, what else are you uh, cooking up? Uh,
6: well, uh, I, I'm talking about this weekend, or
1: yeah, the well, weekend, and you know what's uh, the the next parts well, and pieces. That-
6: Okay. Well, let, let me, uh, I want to uh, give it's a coming. shout out to uh, Bill and Jackie Kouselis and Amanda Raber. They're part of the phenomenology research associates, and they're going to be down here for a week. And they have made uh, uh, bill has a bill as has a PhD mm-hmm. in psychology and his, his specialty is uh, trauma. And he's been, he's lined up several people that uh, he's going to be interviewing. And it's all, all, all very quiet, very private where uh, he's wants to, Deal with the the trauma that occurred. I mean, it, it's quite was quite an, an event for a bridge to collapse in a community, a small sure. community like this, and and, and forty six people losing their lives, and also the just the advent of the Mothman. Not everybody saw this thing, but you know, whatever it was or wasn't, uh, it's it's a pretty. Fr- I mean, just put yourself in the shoes. I, I have actually spoken to about six of the original witnesses over the years, and so he's uh, they want to deal with the. Uh, the trauma, uh, that, that, uh, followed and, uh, and actually look for solutions to, to help with people that have been through this. And they've also, they've acknowledged how well the town has done with the, you know, for the force of the Wamsley family and Carolyn Harris and the, the way that they have rebuilt this community. And, uh, you know, uh, there's just, there's just a lot to deal with. So, uh, uh, Bill's become a good friend. He, he, his wife and Amanda and, uh, they are uh, really great people, and I can't imagine better people to approach those to, uh, uh, to find out about uh, their experience and how this all affected them. Uh, we're going to be, uh, tonight, we're going to be going out to the TNT area again, as we always do. I brought my third-generation night vision goggles. I'm hoping that the, the stars are out, uh, because uh, to look at a star field... And the night vision goggles is phenomenal, just phenomenal. You will see stars that you'll never see with a naked eye. Sure. Um, so we are just, uh, actually, we, uh, we don't have, always have much of a plan. Sometimes the most fun is going to a restaurant and sitting for an hour just uh, talking. And, uh, you know, that, that reminds me of the one other thing I wanted to say about the Mothman Festival is this is a place that you can go where perhaps in, in your family or perhaps at work, you can't talk about this stuff but man, you can talk about it with like-minded people about all kinds of subjects at the Band festival and other conferences. So uh, I just can't uh, stress enough how, uh, how much fun it is. And uh, it doesn't cost anything to get in. The only thing that'll cost you a few bucks is to get a ticket for the hayride that night. And you want to get there early and get your ticket. And uh, I would suggest to, to wait in line. Although Jeff, and, uh, and, and uh, every, you know, everybody is really excellent. Uh, Brittany and Jeff have their own, you know, have their own uh, 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 spiel, shall we say. But you may want to wait for my hayride. I'm not, not saying it's the <laughs> best, but uh, it may be the most entertaining.
1: <laughs> well, well said. And I think anyone that's uh, listened to the show and listened to you in the past is, uh, would probably want to hang for your ride right as well.
6: Well, you can, if they've just come uh, for, uh, if they come three years, they can go on uh, three different rides and, and get the full experience.
1: So I want to ask you, uh, here switch. the uh, the famed UFO report is out. Uh, it, it's it been handily kicked to the curb by most. I think uh, you and I have spoke, I know we spoke off air about it, that uh, we weren't expecting much out of it Uh to be revealing i did find some things in there when i when i look at it from a very analytical what's reported um maybe pointing to stuff but before we uh get your some comments on that i'm curious um is there much ufo activity that's been associated with this uh, part of the world that you're in right now um
6: I, I, I don't know about right now. It seems like, uh, it seems like it's going on all the time, but it, it certainly was the, if you just look at the UFOs, they were, this place was saturated with them. in that, uh, during that time of point pleasant, uh, people could go, go out in the hills and look up and see these strange lights going overhead. Um, I, I would say it, it is, I, I go back to the, uh, the UFO news clipping service, which unfortunately has been gone for a few years. I started in, uh, Oh gosh, was it Lucius Farish out of Arkansas, perhaps, uh, that back in the late sixties. And I have a, I have a decent collection, uh, broken up now and then through the years, but what he would do is he, he's the one that, uh, collected through various news clipping services, UFO reports from all over the world. And the thing you find out about this when, you know, how people would say, ah, we haven't heard anything about UFOs lately. Right. Every once in a while you'll get something like O'Hare, Stevensville, the Phoenix lights or whatever, but it's because the news media seldom picks up on it. But if you subscribe to the newspaper, the newspaper UFO news clipping service, uh, you would find that these things are being seen all the time and they're reporting being reported in our local newspapers, but not getting beyond that. So I, I think that you would find if we, you could have that resource again, People are seeing these damn things all the time. People are having missing time all the time. They're having uh, bizarre experiences all the time. So, but this is this has been a hotbed for years, and it certainly was. If you read uh, the Mothman prophecies, uh, it, it was just crazy with activity.
1: So, what's your thoughts on the uh, on the report?
6: I confess I didn't read it. I, I heard about it afterwards. I just, I was so cynical about it. I thought, I i, I just don't, I don't believe we're going to get anything. And a gentleman named Joshua Kuchen, who's written some great books on, uh, uh, the, on, on the ferry, uh, uh, connection with UFOs and, and, the stranger aspects of Bigfoot. He wrote a couple, a, a long piece on it, talking about how, uh, you know, it, it, it was, uh, that people are going to have to, uh, experience their own revelation, you know, through, through uh, their own experience and it, people should not rely on the government. And I thought that was well said. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I always thought that, uh, if they were going to tell us anything, they were just going to let it hang like they always do and wait for the next celebrity, uh, breakup to kind of distract us from it. But, uh, and somebody else on, on Facebook, uh, wrote, uh, quoted, uh, John Keel when John Keel in the Mothman prophecy said, uh, these things are not coming from outer space <laughs> they don't need to come from outer space. They've been with us since the beginning. And, uh, so while I do suspect that some uh, aspects of the phenomena do deal with some other intelligence that perhaps may come from outer space or elsewhere, I don't know where, uh, there's a, a large part of it that is interactive with us. Somehow we almost, we may even co-create it somehow. Uh, it, again, we've, we've talked so much about John Keel and his, uh, his, uh, tag of, of ultra terrestrials, uh, uh, Carl Jung and the collective unconscious, uh, the, uh, Al- Alexandria David Neal supposedly mm-hmm. creating a tulpa, uh, learned, uh, learned from the Tibetans. Um, there's just so much that, uh, and the reflective factor, the, the, the paranormal mimicry, where there's so much of it that doesn't make sense from a purely extraterrestrial standpoint. So I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, con- I'm, I'm perpetually in a state of, uh, I, I, I don't know. I will get pulled, you know, you get pulled one way and you think you've got some of it figured out and then something else comes up that says, oh, no, you don't. Uh, there's just uh there's more than one answer, and uh we we have to be we have to listen to what people are reporting. we have to respect them and not and not uh, because it doesn't fit our paradigm and uh, there was a time when I had a very strict paradigm of what it was all about and then and then I, of course, I discovered John keel and his John keel reveals so much for us, but uh, it, it seems to me that the most uh, Advanced uh, researchers, the ones that are doing the best work, listen to the people. If they have a Bigfoot experience and there's some stranger aspects to it, like uh, orbs or, or vanishing Bigfoots or whatever, uh, they, they pay attention to what they're saying. Uh, in fact, I'm reading a book right now by Tom Powell uh, called The Edges of, uh, oh, come on, uh, The Edges of Reality, I think. It's a second book. And he's, he was a researcher that was, uh, uh, very, very meticulous, very scientific in his approach, but nevertheless went to the dark side because he kept finding these stranger aspects of the Bigfoot phenomena. And he wrote that he would find people that would have these experiences, not just seeing the Bigfoot, but the weird stuff, uh, strange lights and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and whatever, uh, but batteries draining in their, uh, uh cameras and, uh, and recorders. Uh, he said they were so relieved to find out that other people were having the strange experiences. It was like, just, Oh, thank God. We're not crazy. We didn't imagine this. Other people are having the same experiences.
1: So or you're, the crazy, part you're part of a large group that has right. a certain amount of comfort as well.
6: Well, that's, that's the point is that you, number one, you listen to what people are saying and then you find out that people that don't know each other and haven't compared notes, you're finding, the parallels and patterns in what they're talking about. Absolutely. So, so, so it's, it's endlessly fascinating.
1: It, it sounds it. What motivated you to make the trip down for down our last few minutes here? Well, it's one to know.
6: It's been seven months. Uh, I was down here. I actually met uh, bill and Jackie Kuselis and Amanda Raber and found out about their, their organization and what they were planning on doing last October. It came down uh, Seth Breedlove, who is the, uh, the, the genius behind small town monsters and has done great, great work with uh, documentaries and DVDs. Uh, I was in the uh, the second Mothman one he did called The Mothman Legacy, where I was one of the uh, people interviewed. And so that's where uh, I went down when when Seth was out. Uh, uh, he had a table out in front of the Mothman Museum, and I got to meet. Uh, you always you just always meet great people down here. So that was uh, that was a really good time. And we've all been waiting. A, a bunch of us have been uh, waiting. To come down and uh, we've got, we have a regular motley crew that comes down uh, and from now and then. So it's just, uh, it's always good to see everybody as well as experience the area.
1: Excellent. And uh, what, do you have any other uh, big travel plans coming up uh, for future uh, fringe well, field or field fringe uh, reports? In about the
6: mid, uh, mid July, I'll be speaking about uh, paranormal Bigfoot in Ann Arbor at the Wyndham arms. I think it is. I don't have the exact date. I think it's July 17th and and I'm going to have to hustle on that one. I've got uh, a lot of ground to cover to try and condense that down into something. Uh, I, I don't usually speak on, on Bigfoot, but uh, I, I had a, a neat, neat connection that got me there. And then uh, and the week after the weekend, after the Mothman festival, I'll be speaking on the shaber mystery at the van meter visitor festival in uh Land meter iowa which is just west of des moines another great festival which has started out with humble beginnings but it's going to have some really big name speakers namely ken gerhart and uh uh, uh some other big names that are going to be there uh this year as well as some of the some of the regulars um uh, david weatherly is another one another great uh researcher they've written books on black-eyed kids and cryptids and so forth so uh and it'll be fun the Shaver mystery is always uh, fun to revisit. Uh and, and and I have to say about the Van Meter Festival. Uh this is another place where it's uh it, much smaller than than Mothman, but I ha- I have met some just
1: phenomenal people yeah, there. It, the folks uh, that you've mentioned, very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. Uh, n- numbers and folks that that you've uh, talked about.
6: So it's uh
1: it's well, you have a, a you, have a, uh, you have a big fringe, uh, field fringe uh, schedule planned up, and I think it's fantastic for all of us at uh, MacMillan's Military X-Files. Um, any uh, special uh, message that you want to leave for uh, the rest of the crew that's out on their secret mission? You're not on a secret mission. You're just on a mission. And,
6: no, uh, I'm kind of uh, – this is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to see what these uh, – these uh these secret mission missions yes, will reveal
1: what, it what, reveal
6: everything comes together
1: yes what what the absence is <laughs> yes well so it's it's, we, it's uh, sure to be good well thanks switch for uh jumping in and uh and giving us this very special fringe report and i want to thank uh mac for allowing me to uh, take the uh, controls here for the show it's been a as always an Wonderful opportunity to speak to the great audience that follows Mac Military X-Files on behalf of and Mac. May,
6: may I say, great to be here and thanks for
1: having me. Well, as always, sir. And uh, for Mac and One One uh, Raven uh, Club and the rest of the gang that uh, that shows up, I do want to run down our, our uh, folks that we always try to recognize. Homes for Our Troops is uh, the charity. If you want to work with uh, a broadband support to veterans, these are for veterans that are uh, combat wounded and have uh, requirements for uh, uh, their ability to uh, to enjoy life and to function fully. They custom build homes around the, their needs so that they uh, can uh, rightfully uh, do and, and prosper the way they want. And it's a fantastic uh, uh, charity that does incredibly good uh, things for every donation that you make. I'd also like to bring your attention to the uh, Morgan Armstrong Uh, uh, GoFundMe, it's Morgan Armstrong by the Carlos family, it's Alan Michael which is spelled M-I-K-E-L Armstrong, he is a Air Force Reserve pararescueman and he has been stricken with cancer and he has been stricken with cancer at a time where he is not actually eligible for benefit because he's not on active duty Uh, I'm supporting this personally and I ask if you have a a couple minutes this is a very uh, important charity. Uh, as Mac has often talked about, it drives me nuts. We have to go through with active duty and veterans and these other small uh, places where people fall into the uh, into the gaps and cracks in between. Um, so, home for our troops. And if you have a chance, the uh, Morgan Armstrong uh, GoFundMe, if you just hit the uh, GoFundMe, you'll be able to find it. As always, uh, the People's Mosquito Project, uh, Ross Sharp, the Director of Engineering at Uh, technical matters, leading, uh, as Mac likes to say, the uh, wild Englishman, is mad Englishman, excuse me, uh, on this project. Uh, We are getting ready to start Operation Crossbow. Uh, That's the next phase of uh, work that's going to be done on this uh, magnificent airplane to bring a flying, rebuilding a flyable mosquito aircraft, a DH-98 style uh, back to the skies of the UK. And a special uh, thanks to Parnon Estates, good friends uh, who are, are importing some of the finest and producing some of the finest Greek uh, olive oil. Parnon Estates uh, throws uh, some support to uh, the charities that we speak about, and I appreciate their support, and I always like to give them a plug when we can. So for Mac, 11 and the rest of the gang, MacMillan's Military X-Files, we wish you all the best and be safe.